Welcome to Tex Hogs. My name is Kyle Sutherland. If you like what we've been doing, please be sure to share and subscribe to our content. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast. We are there. And uh, also one that I forgot, we are on iHeartRadio as of about a month and a half ago. So check us out on there as well. If you have uh, not been following planes the last few days, I'm not sure exactly what you have been doing. Uh, shout out to John Neighbors from Hit That Line. Uh, of course, also the Morning Rush podcast and the Locked In podcast that has been uh, having his ground, his crew on the ground to help us keep up with what's going on in the coaching search. A lot of planes coming in and out of, of Arkansas, whether it be Conway, Fayetteville, heading into Boca Raton, apparently to pick up uh, Lane Kiffin, whether that be UCA for some reason getting rid of Nathan Brown and hiring him uh, or as we all think, or many of us think, that Lane Kiffin is actually going to be the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks. So I'll start off with that. Uh, I have been one of the ones that have been constantly watching the planes. I've been staying up late, getting early, getting up early. And this is one of the most fun coaching searches that I've ever really been a part of as a Razorback fan. Of course, I don't really remember whenever Houston Nutt got hired. So, And, of course, we didn't have social media back then, so who knows what that whole fiasco would have been like. I certainly remember – nut resigning and then the Bobby Petrino search happening. And uh, the next one was when Twitter had really blown up whenever we had hired Brett Bielema. That was a guy that was really out of left field for everybody. I think that one of the guys that were very close to being hired, well, or at least that was on pe- people's radar towards the end was, was Chris Peterson. If you happen to remember, uh, he did a press conference and uh, had talked about how he was going to be the coach moving forward for Boise state and one of their quarterbacks from Boise State, I remember it was a fake account that actually I fell for it. A lot of people did uh, that had said something along the lines of Coach Peterson will really miss you, uh, what, whatever, something along those lines that he was going to be leaving. And so uh, just fun stuff like that. You know, it's everybody's got a source. I know that we're tired of hearing that word. Uh, everybody knows what's going on. I personally feel confident and uh, the people that I've heard from that Lane will be named the head coach sometime next week. The original reports were that he was going to probably be announced as the coach on Monday, so this previous Monday, and uh, the the press conference is supposed to be on Tuesday. But it's looking like again, this is I, I am fair. I am very confident uh, in in what I'm believing that he will be coach. I can't repeat that enough. But at the same time, here's how I think it's going to go down. I think that they are going to play the conference championship games this weekend. FAU. Well, we plan. I believe it's UAB. And on Sunday, we might hear something. If not, for sure, by Monday, he will be announced as the head coach and we'll probably have the press conference early next week, whether that be Monday or Tuesday. So I think that that is what's going on right now. Uh, If you are friends with me on Facebook, I know that a lot of people that listen get involved with some of the conversations that also can sometimes turn into uh, debates. On my Facebook page, I posted a blood bank guarantee, which I don't do very often. This is the fourth blood bank guarantee I've had of all time. We'll take it back to 2017. Uh, the first one that I had ever had was that South Carolina, I felt very confident and that they were going to have a very good season that year. And I said they were going to finish uh, that summer. I said that they were going to finish second in the SEC. They did uh, behind Florida or Georgia. I believe, I believe it was Georgia. That was Georgia's first SEC championship under Kirby Smart uh, that they had made it to. And I also said uh, that Gus was going to be Gus Malzahn was going to be hired as the head coach of Arkansas. He was going to leave Auburn after 2017. I said that that was for a for sure done deal. Uh, it turned out that it was not, so I was wrong on that. But that same season, I also before any big time media put it out, I said that Jimbo Fisher was going to get hired on at Texas A&M after Kevin Sumlin got fired. I said that before Sumlin was fired. Said that a deal was done. Uh, had a very good source on that. Everything turned out to be true. 
So a lot of people like to give me grief about my blood banks, uh, but I'm, I'm three for four, or I'm sorry, I'm two for three right now. I feel that I'm going to be three for four here pretty soon, but um, we're going to have a lot of receipts if I am not, because again, this is a recording. It will be going out. So uh, I, I think that Lane Kiffin is 100% the guy. And I put out a list of coaches. I put out a list of five, I believe it was about three weeks ago, uh, of the ones that I think that they should go after. And uh, of course, I'll, if you haven't had a chance to read that, it was Matt Rule, Matt Cam- in this order, Matt Rule, Matt Campbell, Mike Norvell, uh, Willie Fritz, and my dark horse, just because I think that he deserves consideration, was Barry Lunny Jr. And I knew pretty quickly that Rule and Campbell were probably going to be ruled out, no pun intended, and that Matt Campbell would probably be more likely to be not as interested. It would be more one-sided on the University of Arkansas side. Uh, I thought I thought Mike Norvell was a legitimate contender, though. I don't really know that he ever was in terms of both sides being equally interested. But let's kind of let's break down for a second here, just kind of what Lane Kiffin has done. So I'll backtrack also to so there was a lot that happened in 2017, and there was a lot of smoke saying that Lane Kiffin was going to be possibly the coach. Uh, he kind of came on late once uh, Hunter Juracek came on board. He was on the list a little bit later because allegedly, and I, I think this was actually confirmed, uh, but I had heard through multiple people that he had he had tried to hire Lane Kiffin or at least talked to him about hiring him at Houston when when Juracek was there. So it's obviously that these guys uh, have had contact for quite some time, and it was more than likely that Lane was on Hunter's radar whenever he fired Chad Morris. And I think that Lane Kiffin is a great coach. I think he can call plays with the best of them. He's a great recruiter. He's, he's a funny guy. He just seems like a, a fun guy to be around and to play for. One thing that I had said about him in 2017 that really is a red flag to me is he has let guys on – and I talked with Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio about this a couple of weeks ago – and he's let guys on his team uh, that have hit women before. Um, Kendall Bryles, who is another guy that can call plays with the best of them, uh, is a guy that was – we all remember the the Baylor scandal a couple years ago with, with Art Bryles and his staff, which, of course, Kendall was a part of. It's obviously Kendall is Art's son. And some of the, the, the details that came out were, were very um, – very sickening. Uh, a lot of it, it was one of the worst scam. I mean, all the details that came out were very sickening, but especially some of the ones that, that came out about Kendall. And, um, I really don't know what it's confirmed that what involvement he really had in that, how much they all actually knew. I really don't know. But at the end of the day, here's one thing I do know about Lane Kiffin is you can look at him from the whole Tennessee deal. He was like 31 years old. I understand that he left him dry, left him out to dry, left and went to USC out of nowhere. That was his dream job. I mean, I really don't think we can blame him for that one. Had two pretty successful seasons at USC his first two years there. Now, they were hit with sanctions and lost scholarships, so he had a really tough time there. His tenure there was kind of comparative to Mike Anderson as a basketball coach at Arkansas. He didn't fail at U. So Lane did not fail at USC just like Mike did not fail at Arkansas. They just weren't hitting the expectations that were expected of them. Of course, USC is one of the top programs of all time. They have high expectations, and rightfully so. And so I don't really blame him for the stuff back then. I don't really know what happened with him at Florida. Or I'm sorry, at Alabama. I'm sorry. Whenever Nick Saban excused him a week before the national championship game. But I do know this. He is at Florida Atlantic, a, a school that's had a football program since 2001. They have a 427 winning percentage. 
They've been to three bowls all time. They're actually 3-0. and Lane Kiffin's been there. This is his third season. So in their history since 2001, they've won 96 games. And Lane Kiffin has 24 of those wins. They've got two conference titles, which Lane has won one of those in 2017. He's got a chance at another one. So I know that many are going to say, well, you said all this stuff about Brett Bielema when he came in that he was successful at, at Wisconsin. And I did say multiple times that he was going to be successful here at, at Fayetteville. He was to an extent for a certain time. But I really do think that Lane, once he goes to a, big, a place with more resources, which whether he goes to Florida State or Arkansas, which I think he's going to go to Arkansas, again, I'll say that a million times, he's going to have better resources than what he has at FAU, and he's already done well there. He's recruited well. I think he'll put together a really solid staff. And so this is a guy that can come in. He will continue to recruit just like Chad Morris did. Now, will they recruit to the to the level that Chad and his staff did in 2019, the 2019 class coming off a two, two and ten season? I don't know if they're going to do that right off the bat. But I do trust he's going to bring in a guy like Lance Thompson, one of the nation's top recruiters, helped rebuild Alabama and getting Julio Jones, Mark Barron, Barrett Jones, all those guys when Saban first got there. I don't think that he's going to bring on Sam Pittman like many think that he will as associate head coach and offensive line coach. That might happen. But I do think that he can get a guy like Frank Wilson, who coached with him at Tennessee, coached his wide receivers at Tennessee, just got fired from University of Texas, San Antonio. I can tell you being here that this guy, I've been in San Antonio for about the same amount of time that Frank has, and he is beloved in this city. Uh, very classy guy, great recruiter, knows Texas, knows South Louisiana. So I would totally love him to be on staff. But Back to Kendall Bryles, it's looking like he could possibly be the offensive coordinator. And that's where I'm hesitant. I'm not hesitant with Lane's success because you can talk about, well, yeah, he's doing he's doing good stuff at a at a Conference USA school. Chad Morris came from a Conference USA school, and you talked about how great it was that he, he rebuilt SMU the way that he was. Well, yeah, Chad Morris was 14 and 22. So, yeah, I did. Whenever he got hired, I did a bunch of research into – the winning and losing a seat, which most of them were losing seasons since the death penalty happened and how hard it is to win at SMU. I did. I defended it. And I said, going from two and 10 to five and seven to seven and five is great. I think that he can continue to rebuild or he can continue to build off of what he did at SMU at Arkansas. And I was wrong, but Lane has done it. There's no, okay. He went, he took a team that was from 2014 to 2016, three and nine, three straight years. And then the next year, he got five wins and went to seven. And now in his third year, he's went to nine. Now, he did drop off last year. They did not have a good season last year. I believe it was five and seven. But his first season, they went uh, 11 and three. And then this year, I believe they have nine wins. So he's got it rolling down there. He's proven what he can do. I get it. He's got the baggage. I understand all that. But I think in his time that he has been at FAU, he's had a chance to grow up. He's in his mid-40s now early mid-40s. I said a couple of weeks ago that I am a different man. I'll be 30 in February, and I am a lot different than I was 10 years ago this time when I was almost 20. And so I'm not going to hold that against him. He's proven a lot from what he's been at FAU. And I know I've spent a lot of this time talking about Lane Kiffin because I do think he's going to be the guy. I might be wrong, but I'm very, very confident in that. And so from a football standpoint, I love the hire, if that's who it is. But I am a little skeptical 
of the Kendall Bryles thing, but I'm just going to let it ride out. I think that everybody deserves a chance, no matter who it is. We've said we've heard this so many times. No matter who it is that gets hired, there's going to be a part of the fan base that is not happy. That's just that's a really a reality of life. It's the way it goes. But come next week, by the time that we do this recording again and release the next podcast, we will know who our head coach is, and that'll all be over. And at the end of the day, everybody just deserves a chance, regardless of who it is. Let them come in. Let them do their thing. Hopefully we don't hear slogans like left lane hammer down and all that stuff. But we just get somebody in here that that buys into because it's not going to be a, a native Arkansan. Somebody that buys into what the state is about. That's the key. And I and I trust Hunter Yurchick to do that, as he's shown uh with, with Coach Eric Musselman, at least up to this point. Speaking of Eric Musselman, uh, we're going to take a quick break real quick and talk about the 8-0 Razorbacks. Uh, we're going to have Curtis Wilkerson on. Uh, he is from Prep Hoops, Missouri, and also Busting Brackets. He's a writer for them. He's, we've had him on before. A lot of great stuff, uh, a lot of great analysis that he really studies the game and especially the Razorbacks. So look forward to hearing from him. Stay with us. We'll be back in just one second. So we're back on Texas. I'm joined by Curtis Wilkerson. He is with Prep Hoops Missouri and also with Busting Brackets. And Curtis, before we get into some basketball talk, I uh, want to get your take on the the watching airplanes and trying to figure out who the next coach is. Uh, what do you think of what's gone on so far, and when will we hear who it's going to be? I, I tell you what, if there's one thing I can say about Hunter Urichak, he does a nice job of keeping things close to the vest. I've I've got to admit that I was part of the plane tracking crew and I'm just trying to follow along with everything. And I got bought into the hype a couple of days ago on the, the Lane Kiffin train and it sounded like it was about to happen. And then all of a sudden it didn't. So uh, who knows where that's going to go? It, it's hard to speculate. Um, everybody's got their favorites. It sounds like if nothing else, uh, Hunter Yurishek is doing a nice job of doing his due diligence. He's interviewing multiple candidates and Maybe he has his guy and he's holding out until after the conference championship games on Saturday. Who who really knows? Yeah, I'm I'm personally of the belief, like a lot of people, that that it is Lane Kiffin. Uh, I was pretty sure that it was already signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm not so sure about that part, but if it's not going to be him, I really don't know who it's going to be at this point. You know, there's obviously a lot of names that are being thrown around, but if it's not him, I, I think it's maybe going to be like a Brett Bielema type situation where it's just out of left field. We're not expecting it. Wasn't really on anybody's radar. So it's going to be interesting to see, but it is looking like it will be one of the coaches that is coaching this Saturday uh, in the conference championship game. So should hear something Sunday or Monday uh, or maybe maybe even Saturday night. It'd be nice. So well, on the basketball front, the Razorbacks are 8-0, and and uh, the last two games especially coming off the break, it, they have not looked the greatest, but either way, they, their record is unblemished. That's more than Michigan State, Duke, and Kentucky can say right now. And so what, what is your overall take on what we've seen through eight games? Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, we can't complain about 8-0. That's a historic start for Arkansas. And honestly, if you consider some things that have been going on around the country, and you alluded to it, you know, Kentucky falling at home early on in the year to, to Evansville and Duke falling to Stephen F. Austin, 
uh, a lot of these teams are losing these tight games to mid-majors, and Arkansas has been able to avoid that. So you have to be happy with the start. Uh, obviously, defensively, it's just been so impressive with what Musselman's been able to do with this group, especially considering uh, just the overall lack of size and, and rebounding and rim protection. To be able to hold their opponents at this point under 60 points a game is incredible. Uh, but you're right. The last couple games have been a little bit underwhelming. I think it's important, despite the start, uh, just to make sure that you don't overlook in a win what you might criticize in a loss. Um, so it, it does seem like the intensity has been uh, down a little bit, maybe a notch. Um, they've been a little bit slow. Last night was just a little sloppy. I, I, I wonder about the focus, some sloppy fouls. Uh, turnovers and things like that that they'll need to clean up. But hey, that, that's that's all trivial when you're eight and zero, right? <laughs> well, so th- they are. You mentioned talked about defense, and they are in the top ten of just about every category that you can think of defensively. And in three point percentage, they're number one. But in terms of them shooting threes, uh, they are towards the bottom. I believe it's like in the three, like three fifteen or sometime somewhere around that range. Out of what, like three hundred and thirty teams. And Isaiah Joe, for instance, is one he has not been quite. I know that his his three point percentage is about 10 percent down from last year. And Desi Sills has obviously picked up in other places that he has that he's made up for for his 11 percent from three, I think, as opposed to in the 40s last year. But just like Desi, Isaiah has been able to do things that are not just shooting threes. I mean, he's, he's been driving the lane. He's been very good defensively. Mason Jones has been the best player on the team. Adriel Bailey's picked it up a lot. But the three guys that have really done the, done the most damage for the team this year has been, of course, Jones, Joe, and Jimmy Witt. Now, talk about the importance that Jimmy Witt has, because it's like whenever he takes a shot, it, it's, it's so ugly, but it just seems to always go in. So talk about the impact that he's made coming back, of course, being a, a Razorback previously. Yeah, no doubt. Jimmy Witt Jr., he might be the most underrated transfer pickup in the league over this past summer. He's been incredible for the Razorbacks. I mean, uh, obviously, he's not a guy that's going to step out and shoot the three-pointer, and we knew that when we got him. Uh, but I can't really think of a guy that I'd rather have taken a shot inside the three-point line. I mean, his his pull-up mid-range game and those pull-ups around the rim, uh, it, it's about as close to automatic as you can get. And he does so many other good things with his length. He's such a great defender on the ball and away from the ball, getting into passing lanes and getting deflections. He rebounds tremendously well for a guard. I, I actually think he's leading the team in rebounds, uh, distributes it well, and he just flat out doesn't turn the ball over. So uh, really has done an incredible job bringing some leadership and, and really an all-around versatile game to the team. He's been phenomenal. Couldn't ask for anything more from Jimmy Witt. So talking about the three that I just mentioned, Witt, Mason Jones, and Isaiah Joe, and them being the main contributors to this team, and obviously Mason Jones was missed very badly against Northern Kentucky, and he even showed, as great as a game as he had last night, uh, he showed that he that shoulder is still bothering him pretty bad. But do you think that once – so they got their toughest matchup coming up against Western Kentucky, probably their toughest matchup of the season so far, with coming in with Charles Bassey, what he was able to do last year, and him being such a threat down low – do you think that with the struggles that they've had, but also able to find ways to put things together, as I mentioned how Isaiah and Desi are able to do, do you think that it's eventually going to, because they're going to lose, we all know that at some point, but do you think this is actually going to be a problem moving forward? Or are you optimistic about it that wherever they fail, they can make up somewhere else? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, honestly, that the level at which they're playing defense, that's going to keep you in a lot of games and, and defense travels. We saw that against Georgia tech. 
Um, and, and defense is a, it's an effort oriented thing. And if those guys bring their intensity um, as athletic and as sound as they are and as well coached as they are on that end, they're going to stay in ball games. But you're right. The offense does need to improve uh, from a consistency standpoint. Uh, you're right. They're going to lose. Uh, it, it might happen here sooner rather than later. That's OK. Um, you can guarantee that they're going to learn from that and build off of it when it does happen. Uh, but you do want to see some more consistency, and it's been a little bit up and down if you think about it. I mean, we've had the nights um, where maybe we've executed the offense well, uh, gotten the shots that we're looking for, but they're just not falling. And we, we alluded to some of the guys who are struggling from maybe beyond the arc or, or with their field goal percentage. Um, on other nights, like last night, uh, shoot the ball particularly well. I, their percentages looked great last night, but it was just a little uncharacteristic in terms of uh, just some careless, unforced turnovers and things like that. So uh, they're going to need to search for a little bit more consistency on that end. Uh, obviously, that's going to help them out quite a bit. You know, I do think uh, what you have in Mason Jones, Isaiah Joe, and Jimmy Witt, that's a great start with the big three there. Uh, Desi Sills, you know, that, that guy's an X factor. He wound up burying a couple threes last night late. Uh, hopefully that gets some confidence going from him from beyond the arc because he does so many other things really well with his intensity and his ability to attack the rim. If he's a consistent threat from beyond the arc, that adds another element to the team. A lot of it, though, I think comes down to the front court because really you're putting a lot of pressure on your backcourt and your guards to produce, but you kind of have the quartet of Adriel Bailey, Reggie Chaney, Ethan Henderson, and, and Gene Talsilla. Last night, they combined for six points and eight rebounds. So you're really relying on your guards uh, to do all the scoring and most of the rebounding. So we're going to need better production from those guys. Adriel Bailey was great starting off the season, was bringing some energy, uh, scoring it, rebounding at a high level. He's dropped off a little bit over the last few games, so you want him to kind of get back in stride. Reggie Chaney is another guy who's shown flashes, had the big game against Northern Kentucky. I, I think he finished with 11 rebounds. You'd like to see some of that. A little bit more consistency out of him from that standpoint. Um, and then Silla and Henderson, one of those two guys, needs to be able to come in, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy. But if you can get 10, 15 minutes out of those guys and get some production, finish some dump-offs, score a little bit, be a threat inside, and, and defend and rebound, that's really going to help this team a lot moving forward. We're talking with Curtis Wilkerson from Prep Hoops, Missouri, and and busting brackets. So on the recruiting front, they've gotten a lot of really good news in the last two weeks. Uh, so the first off, you start off getting uh, Fort Smith Northside center Jalen Williams, and then uh, you also get KK Robinson. And so the, that those two guys uh, joining with Moses Moody and Devontae Davis are now the fifth ranked class, and of course that that will change as things continue to. Uh, to take their place, but right now they're fifth in the nation and third in the SEC. Man, I mean, what can you say? You go four for five. Of course, you miss out on Chris Moore, who goes to Auburn. That one hurts, but I mean, this is just this is something that we haven't seen. I don't know that I've seen this this good of a class really. I mean, you would have to go back for. I know the, the probably the most recent one that even comes close would maybe be 08 around that time. Um, so I mean, just what do you what do you have to say about what Musselman has been able to do keeping these guys and putting building a fence around the state? Yeah, I mean, that it's it's absolutely incredible. And when you consider Musselman didn't even take the job until April. And, and so a lot of these guys have been recruited heavily for multiple years. And for him to be able to make up the ground that he did and secure four out of the five, I, 
I just I can't say enough how impressive that is for him. He comes in at a good time. I mean, there's more high-end talent in the state right now than there has been in a long time. You mentioned uh, maybe since 08. It, it's certainly been a while. Um, and to be able to develop those relationships and sell the program and sell the vision the way that he has has really been incredible. Uh, and, it, and it sets Arkansas up to be in a great spot moving forward. I mean, if you consider having these four top 100 guys coming in and joining your program uh, with what we're likely to have coming back, uh, man, we, we're looking pretty good here in the next couple of years, don't you think? I, I would think so. And there might be one more added to that class. Of course, what is the update that you've heard on Isaac McBride? I know that he has left Kansas and does not have an offer from the Razorbacks as of now. It's kind of been some of the reports have been that he wants to be there and it seems like they want to be him or at least he wants to visit and they would love to have him. What is it that you're hearing at the update on that if you've heard anything at all? Yeah, essentially my take with Isaac is that uh, exactly what you said, that he does not have a standing offer at this time. Um, obviously it would be a piece that you like to have. I mean, with his ability to shoot the basketball at a high level, uh, you always want to have a guy like that. Uh, but if you, if you kind of take a look at the roster and the recruiting class and, and just kind of project out going towards next year, um, you are going to have a pretty guard heavy team. I mean, you think about the guys coming in with Devonte Davis, KK Robinson, Moses Moody, they're all guards, you know, possibly bringing back, uh, Jalen Harris, Desi Sills, Mason Jones, uh, maybe Isaiah Joe, those are all guards. And if you think about where the team is lacking the most, it's, it's kind of in the front court. So, um, I don't know that it's a Arkansas doesn't want Isaac McBride so much as does it make sense to, to add another guard and create what could be a log jam for playing time? Or do you kind of see where the cards fall and maybe hit the grad transfer market or, or the transfer market and see if you can bring in another big man with some size uh, to kind of even out and, and balance that front court? That was going to be my, the last thing that I wanted to mention was I, I kind of feel like that maybe some of this is that they want him, but they do they do have quite a few guards and really good ones at that. Mm-hmm. And you got next year, you'll have Connor Vanover, you'll have Reggie Chaney, uh, Bebe. I'm not even going to try to pronounce uh, his actual full name. <laughs> and um, of course, Silla will be gone. And then you'll have Henderson, which he played a pretty decent game against Austin P. When you, like you said, it'd be great to get multiple nights like that out of him for 10, 15 minutes. And so hopefully he can continue to produce. But do you think that that's what Musselman will trust, or do you think he, he probably goes the JUCO route if we don't get McBride or some or another guard that they feel is is enough caliber to bring on? Well, if if, if I know Eric Musselman, I'd say that he's going to have his eyes on that transfer portal for sure. So uh, if it does turn out that that McBride finds a better situation, or or maybe they just agree that it's not not the great fit that uh, maybe the fans hope that it would be. Um, that's okay. Wherever he goes, he's going to do tremendously well. I, I can guarantee you that. Uh, but I, I would anticipate that, you know, Musselman's probably going to let things shake out through the season here, probably stay in touch with some bigs at the Juco level, um, and, and feel some of that out. And then he's going to have his eye on that transfer portal. I think at the end of the season, once that thing starts to fill up and it wouldn't surprise me at all, if he brought in some immediate help on the inside. Awesome. Great stuff as always, Curtis, man. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, hopefully talk to you once uh, here in the next couple of weeks once we get conference play going. Absolutely. That sounds great. I appreciate you having me on again. We look forward to talking to you again soon. And that will do it for another episode. Thank you guys, as always, for listening again. You can find us anywhere your your podcast uh, you, that you 
any podcast forum that you listen to, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, iHeart, wherever you listen to podcasts, that's where we are. So thank you, as always, for listening. My name's Kyle Sutherland. You've been listening to Texas.